2: Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast powered by Celsius. We've got another special show, three weeks in a row, guys, with a with a Bucks player. Uh special guest today is going to be Bucks right tackle Luke Gedeke. Excited to have him on. I'm JC Allen. I'll be your host with the most on this evening adventure of the podcast. And with me, I've got my right-hand man, Adam Slavon. Uh, we're going to be breaking it down, talking to Luke, You know, finding out his impressions on this new offensive system after playing in last year's offensive system, find out some of his likes, dislikes, You know, what was the hardest trend, part of the transition last year, and then moving back to his normal position, who he hangs out with on the team, all that fun stuff, and what he does in his downtime. So without further ado, let me bring them both on here, Adam Slavon and Luke Gedeki, Luke the lifter. How are you doing, my man? How's your offseason been?
0: Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you guys very much for having me. Uh the off season has been has been amazing. I mean first NFL off season and been getting in a lot of good work and everything and still enjoying the, the downtime as well.
2: Yeah, that's one thing a lot of people don't realize that when you come in your rookie year, there's so much going on. That that whole offseason, half of your offseason is dedicated to 40 times and broad jumps, long jumps and, and all that stuff. So you're really focusing away from the football activities, things that are going to make you as a better football player and more on the testing and, and results and stuff like that. So coming into your first off season where you, you know, you know, the town, you know, for the most part, the team, there's obviously been some turnover this year, but you know, the the city, you know, everything that's going on, obviously learning a new playbook this year, but just how, how much better, how, how, How has it been this offseason not having to worry about all that stuff in the back of your mind and just focus on getting better at your craft?
0: Oh, I mean, it's been night and day. I mean, like you said, you come in as in your rookie year and you're training basically for the underwear Olympics at the combine. (laughs) Kind of that football training goes out the door a little bit, if you say. And it's just a relief to just be able to focus directly on football. And even when you get to like – whatever team you end up being on a lot of times they put you up in a hotel and that that's not that's not a place that you can truly call home or anything like that so just at the end of the day you're going back to a hotel and there's really not much you can do and not, not true, it's not truly relaxing when you get home like when you have your own apartment or house like once you go in the first true off season
2: Yeah, I mean, you get to focus a little bit more on your craft. You get that comfortability going. And for you, it's even a little bit more comfortable this offseason because you're making a move uh, from left guard, which you played last year, uh, back to your normal natural position at right tackle. Uh, How relieved were you when you were told that you were going to be moving back there? And and how, how much more does it put your mind at ease? How much more comfortable are you there? And just talk about that transition back to your spot
0: uh i'd say i'm definitely relieved but at the same time i felt like just the last as the year went on especially the last game i was really picking up at left guard and everything but i mean yeah i'm definitely relieved to be back at my home position but i mean with that being said if they ever needed me over at left guard or at right guard like i'd be fine playing that again just having that comfortability again it it feels good and everything, but like you said, to be back at right tackle, yeah, it feels great to be kind of, that's that's where I learned to play the offensive line position. So it's definitely feels good to be back. So
1: your predecessor at right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, you've kind of gotten to know him throughout the off season, even going fishing with him just a couple of weeks ago. What can you speak on to like your friendship with him and how has he helped you kind of make that move back to right tackle You've already played that in college, but playing it in the pros is a whole different ballgame.
0: So, what has he meant for you? Yeah, Tristan, he's probably the he's probably someone he's probably the guy who I'm closest with on the team. I consider him one of my best friends. And with that being said, every day we attack OTAs, just trying to get better. Uh, just talk about different techniques, what he uses, what uh, what our coach wants, and everything just what we see and what we need to continue to work on everything every day and just w- pick one or two things a day. Cause you can really get overwhelmed trying to really improve on five, six different things every day. So really trying to hone in on those little things. And then just with that, being able to bounce ideas back and forth off, e- off of each other. Cause obviously he's arguably the best right tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, it's great to have that, uh, Great to have that um, relationship and someone who's there, just uh, speak about in in football terms as well as a great friend, who uh, like you said we do uh, we do spend time away from football and do some fun stuff like fishing and whatnot. Now I got to ask you, who's stronger between
1: the two of you? Is it <laughs> Tristan Wurst or do you think you have the case?
0: Uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna confirm or deny that. I mean, me and him, we, uh, we definitely go back and have some friendly battles in the weight room. He's, uh, I always call him the moose because he's literally, he's about as strong as they come and just a giant mutant human being. But there's some lifts he has me and I have him on some certain lifts. I'll just say that. But he is definitely, uh, he's definitely an alien
2: of a human being. Well, there's there's video evidence of him saying you're stronger. You guys were on that fishing charter, uh, which they it was a really awesome watch. I mean, you caught a freaking shark out there, man. Yeah. Uh, he's he goes at one point. He goes, "Oh no, Luke's stronger than me." So uh, he was struggling, real struggling reeling those fish talk about that. That's one of your one of your biggest things that you do in in the offseason, your downtime catching sharks out there. You guys almost had that wahoo. Just talk about the experience, ability to to get out there, kind of. Fishing is such a peaceful sport. You just kind of let your mind go and, and just bond with your teammates and just kind of unwind and release.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fishing. I, I mean, I grew up fishing and everything. Kristen grew up fishing as well, and uh, just to be able to kind of have that release from football. I mean, if you ca- if you just twenty four seven focusing on football, it it'll just eat you eat you up inside. So having that having that kind of release, like you said, to go fishing. And just relax. That's so key everything and how peaceful and how beautiful it is out on the water. And then being able to do that with your teammates is huge. Me and uh me and him actually just uh we went off another fishing trip this last week and caught a bunch of red snapper and uh red group mm. snap or not, excuse me, mangrove snapper. So uh just it's just great time to to spend with friends and
2: everything and great to get out there and florida's got year-round fishing so you gotta love that i mean ice fishing's fun i'm sure from being a guy from up north you did your fair share of ice ice fishing as well but being able to get out on the boat even in the wintertime, quote unquote it's still nice out there have you reeled really one of those goliaths yet uh i'm i caught a, a
0: small goliath when i was younger but i haven't caught like a true big like five six hundred pounder yet I do have some uh, buddies on the East Coast that want want me to come out and try and catch one. So we'll see. Maybe in the future.
2: Nice. So you, you briefly touched on, obviously, making the move back to right tackle, but you briefly touched on more being more comfortable at left guard. And here we have you in the playoff game, actually. You got that start. And, and you know, pro football focus – they have their own algorithms how they grade players, whatever. But your last two games were you against the Falcons where you played at right tackle, and then in this game where your highest rated games, you mentioned starting to feel more comfortable at that position. Obviously, you know you're you're no stranger to setbacks. A shoulder injury in high school almost had you quit football altogether. You had that knee injury in college. Um, that you know you're start, trying starting to get into that realm for moving from tight end to tackle. That gives you a setback. Last year was a foot injury, losing losing that starting uh, spot, you know, partially due to that as well. But the drive kept going. Just what, where does that come from? Um, and how did you kind of were able to bounce back? And in that final game of the season at a position that, I mean, we, we hear Trishan just said it the other day, you know, he's like a baby out there learning everything new on the other side, you know, and you're and he's just going from tackle to tackle. You're going from tackle to interior. So the drive, the motivation and the just to be able to get to that spot where, you know, you are out there, you are more than efficient at the left guard position and, and just how you how you maintain that confidence in that level
0: yeah i mean I, it's just something i definitely grew up with i wouldn't i would never be here if uh if it wasn't for my drive and determination uh, i like to say i like to think like hard work beats talent at the end of the day so i might be a talented but i'm gonna outwork you so i can beat anyone when it com- comes down to it and i just play with a chip on my shoulder i mean i'm from a small town in wisconsin like you said, I've had I've had setbacks in my life. I've faced adversity. I know how to overcome that. So when I did face some this last year, yeah, I, just, I, re, I realized, yeah, I need to be better. I had a foot injury. I need to come back stronger from that. I needed to regain confidence, just a multitude of, of different aspects. And I feel like at the end of the season, I really showed, like, yeah, I can overcome that adversity. And, yeah, like you said, transition. from uh one side to the other is a lot lot more difficult than people think and from outside to inside and to the other side is a whole nother ball game in itself so it uh it's just been in my nature i guess just that drive and determination try and be the best version of myself on, on the football field i really take a whole lot of pride work and being able to help my teammates and be being able to help my team win as many games as possible. Nice. So you've had quite the unique journey and
1: he kind of brought it up about like starting out as a walk-on, going from a D3 school to a D1 school and kind of just like the hustle that you had making your own clips and sending them to central Michigan to like put your name out there. Can you speak up more on just like your journey and when you realized? that you were going to be an offensive lineman because you grew up as a running back, cameoed at quarterback, and was a fan of Tom Brady, and now just being an offensive lineman. What has the journey been like for you?
0: Yeah, the the journey has been crazy. But without that journey, I wouldn't be who I am today. So I'm very thankful and give all my glory to God for it. But, yeah, it's been a crazy one, to say the least. Like you said, I started out at D3 school, played tight end, you touched on it earlier I almost stopped playing football after my senior year of high school and it was about a month left in summer before I decided no I'm gonna this is my childhood dream I'm gonna I'm gonna attack it and kind of fell fell in love back with the sport and everything but yeah transitioning from that d3 school to the d1 school and then into the offensive line room it was uh it was definitely a whirlwind learning a brand new position what the what the kick step is. I mean that took me a while just to get down in itself. Then on top of that, putting on weight and not just putting on like the not putting on fat weight. I wanna put on weight the right way. So just right. eating eating the right food and working out religiously. Um it was definitely a transition and it, it took a while. I mean I'm still growing and I'll always continue to grow. But that's what uh that's where I take great pride in my work and put in countless hours to just be the best version of myself and that works it true uh, I mean, that I'm, you uh oh sorry jc
2: i was just gonna say that work obviously um you know we heard about the bring your tractor to school day and so that starts on the farm right i mean that starts waking up and having to deal with with crops and animals and all that stuff and that's where you where is that where that comes from
0: uh so i didn't grow up on a farm but a bunch of my uh bunch of my classmates did and everything but i was just kind of a drive that was instilled in me and my brother, um, from our parents, especially my mom. I mean, she was a single mother for a while, uh, just providing for me and my older brother. And I just always had that drive growing up as far as I can remember, like when I was four and five years old, I was doing stuff like re- doing ladder drills, running with parachutes on my back, wow. stuff like that. Just trying to get better and better, trying to do whatever I could do. So, it's just always been in my blood
2: so where'd you get the tractor from did you guys everyone just had tractors <laughs> yeah
0: everyone had tractors it was like one day there'd be like 60 tractors just driven to school That's was awesome have a, they'd have like a little cookout in the parking lot and whatnot yeah it's uh <laughs> it's a nice still one I think uh some people would even take their uh they riding lawnmower tractors to school <laughs>
2: oh my gosh yeah That's awesome.
0: So big ordeal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Being a fellow Wisconsinite myself, uh, what's your, what was your favorite part growing up in Wisconsin? Was it the the dairy products, maybe Culver's quick trip, just kind of that, that small town feel. What did you enjoy about it?
0: Um, I would say the people. Uh, so I grew up in a really small town, but with that, we had probably eight to 10 neighbor kids who, uh, We'd play we had a big field in our backyard and we would play tackle football back there, baseball, kick the can, golf, you name it. Like we kick we'd always can. be doing stuff like that. And it just kept me really active as a kid. Mom would be like, All right, when the street lights turn on, come home, stuff like yeah. that. And I think a lot of kids are missing that nowadays, kinda of that yeah. uh, being outside all the time, having friends, just really taking it in. A lot of people are just so stuck on electronics and everything. It's sad because that was definitely my highlight of being in Wisconsin, growing up in Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, I feel that. I'm from where I was from. You know, the streetlights come on. That's when you come in. You could take your bike and ride 10 miles down the road. No one would say a thing. It's tough, you know times have changed so it's you got a lot of weirdos out there you gotta watch out for and you really can't let your your little kids run the neighborhood like you used to be able to like we used to be able to you know i'm a little bit older than both of you but still it, it it's crazy but i definitely agree those kick the can you brought that up a smile on my face uh uh you know hide and seek like massive hide. you got like 20 kids out there that used to be the best stuff man and it, it's sad but yeah, growing up in a, in a small town like that, you, you you learn to appreciate those things and those people a little bit more. I'm more interested in a Culver's order, though. What, what's your go-to at Culver's? Oh, well, Culver's is usually a triple butter burger
0: oh, with, yeah. uh, with cheese and just ketchup on, and I get probably like eight chicken tenders with ranch and barbecue, and then some fries, and then maybe a scoop or two of... Uh, in a dish of either the flavor of the day, if it's good, or just right.
2: no, no curds,
0: no, no curds. I've had, I've had way better cheese. Curds. <laughs> right, ah,
2: oh. I'm sure. <laughs> I didn't. We didn't have Culvers up north, so when I came down here, I found Culvers. I'm like, this is the best in the world. Yes, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that.
0: Yeah, Culvers is a gr- Culvers is a great spot for sure.
1: So speaking on like being from like a small town, there's another guy on the Buccaneers who is from a small town, just got right. drafted, Cody Mauck. Uh, What are your impressions of him? And it seems like you guys have started to build a relationship. He mentioned on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago that he's someone that he's kind of looked up to you. And because you guys run drills together, being on the right side of the offensive
0: line, what can you say about him? Uh, yeah, Cody. He's a great guy. I mean, I watched him, uh, watched him coming up through the draft and everything. Obviously, have to touch on the two missing uh, front teeth. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, his work ethic through practice is great. Like he, like you mentioned, yeah, we're running drills together. Um, it's just uh, just gonna take some time just to build that uh, communication aspect of things which uh, we're definitely working on, and it's getting better day by day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, putting in a lot of work. He's looking solid out there and everything, and he's really coming along nicely, and he's a great kid overall out off the field as well. So really, uh, really happy to be able to play next to him.
2: Like you, too, he's making a transition from tackle to interior like you did last year, and also a side switch. He went and played left tackle mostly, played a couple games at right tackle, but mostly left tackle his entire collegiate career. Now he moves over to that right guard spot. What advice have you given him? Because obviously we know there were some early season struggles. Not that you weren't facing potential pro bowlers and Hall of Famers those first eight weeks of the season. I mean, you had Grady Jarrett, you had – uh, Chris Hayward. Jones, you yeah, Cam, you had uh, just a litany of guys to say, "All right, here, here's your new position. Go block these these Pro Bowlers." But what kind of advice have you given him? Um, my my advice,
0: like just like, I mean, it's easy to get down on yourself when you get beat and everything, but we uh we're playing the National Football League. You're playing against the best athletes in the world. You're going to get right. beat sometimes. And they get paid to pe- they get paid to play too. So you're a meet some monsters out there and everything. You just got head up, head up, and if you play, if you have a bad play, you just got to move on. Because that's the worst thing that
2: can happen. You have a bad play and then you let it spiral. Yeah, speaking of that, that's one of the things uh, I was recent reading a recent interview of yours. You said that one of your uh, things that you need to work on at this le- next level was kind of not dwelling on those negative plays, moving on and having that, I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso fan, but goldfish kind of mind, you know, where it's just, whoop, it's gone out of your mind and you're on to the next play, which is so important, especially in the NFL where exactly like you said, you're going up against the best of the best and they're paid to beat you and do their job. How did, how did you develop that? How did, how did that come to the forefront where you were, was it, did you get advice from teammates? Was it coaches? Was it just something that you had to look inside and say, you know, what? I can't worry about this last rep I got beat on. I'm a glass eater. I need to go put someone on their ass and and make up for the next play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was just talking with my teammates, um, especially Josh Wells last year. He's a great, a great uh, vet to have in the room. Um, I'm a guy who really puts a lot of pressure on myself to be the best, the best uh, I can be and everything. And I don't take losing lightly and everything. Mm. So I, it was just one of those things where I can't put as much pressure on myself. Like I said, like I've said to Cody, like you're going to lose sometimes it's going to happen in the NFL. You just can't let it spiral out of control and you need to come back from that and learn from your mistakes. So uh, just having a, Having some sit-down conversations with Josh uh, really helped uh, last year and everything, and I wish him uh, nothing but the best in Jacksonville. And I know, I hope he knows everyone here in Tampa misses him.
2: Was there anything specifically he said to you that really spoke
0: to you? Um, just that football is probably he's just uh, like in life regards. Just football is a small aspect of life. Right. Just so much more to life than just football um i thought that really spoke to me and uh just putting our faith into god and everything like that um i thought that really helped as well like god always has a plan for us so i thought those were great pieces that i really take
1: think you know the brooks ghost think again Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more.
2: With me. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, obviously, you know, There was so much pressure, too, last year, right? Obviously, Tom Brady's there, Super Bowl or bust mentality. And, you know, you're making this transition. You're making this. um, And and you're going against such uh, excellent talent. Uh, You had your struggles, and I'm sure that you'll admit that, too. You know, there was times you were struggled, And there was times you faced criticism from fans, from media, especially on social media. We know that can be the devil. How did you handle that? How did you – was it those conversations with Josh? Was it something else that, I mean, I, I think I remember you saying you, you know, shut your Twitter down for a little while, just kind of get away from that noise. How do you block out that noise, but also how do you let that noise motivate you?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't need the noise to motivate me. I know, I know what I have to do to get better. I know what I have enough motivation within myself to definitely motivate myself. But uh, yeah, I did. I did shut down my Twitter. I'm still not on Twitter. I mean, I mean, you could play at an all-pro level, and someone still has something about yes. you yeah, on social media. So, I just take it with a grain of salt. Everyone's gonna have their uh, things to say, but I mean, at the end of the day, they're on their couch, and we're out there playing. So, really, really doesn't make make much of a difference to me. Um, but yeah, just kind of block out that noise. And like I said, I motivate myself enough. I I work hard enough the way it is. So I don't need
1: motivation from anyone. So you've definitely overcame enough adversity just to get to this point. So it's easy to see like just how self-motivating you are and just having that drive. What did you learn from like last season and like the adversity it brought? Because it seemed like throughout the year you grew in a lot of ways. And as JC mentioned earlier with playing your best game of the season at left guard, after some may may have said that you struggled there to begin the season facing these pro bowl defensive tackles. So what did you really gain from it, and how is it helping you this off
0: heading into your second year? Yeah, um, I think a, a big thing was just becoming more and more comfortable on that left side and everything, and becoming more and more comfortable with the offense and my teammates as well. I mean, yeah, it just took some time to time to grow and everything. And uh, for I mean, for a while, I was uh, I was on the scout offense. So I got to still play against starting defense week after week. So that really helped me. Um, just gaining just gaining more and more confidence, like I said, at that left guard position. Just getting down that coordination because that's, that's a huge thing. Anyone will tell you, switching from one side to the other. Like you touched on Tristan said, it feels like you're a newborn baby out there. Like <laughs> you don't know how your body's supposed to move on that side. You've been coordinated all your life to move one way and now you have to do move a separate way. And with that go against the top athletes in the world. So just just definitely became more comfortable as the season went on.
2: And one more question. Oh, go
1: ahead. Well, I was just going to say, not just growing on the field, but off the field, like coach Bowles last year, one of his key phrases was iron sharpens iron and your Twitter handle is Luke the lifter. So have to ask like, What's your favorite workout and where did you get that name from?
0: Um, So actually uh, it was, it's a funny story. So me and my stepdad, we, uh, I had to come up with an email, maybe when I was like 12 years old and he's like, all right, well, what's that? We couldn't come up with something. So he's like, what's something you really like to do? And that's when I first got into lifting and whatever. I was bringing the the li- and I'm like, Oh, I like to lift. And he's like, well, your first name's Luke, and we just put the on there, and then the lifter, and there it, uh, there it became. So that's that's how that became. about, but uh, <laughs> yeah, iron, iron definitely sharpens iron. So being able to go against that top tier competition is only going to make you better and help you grow from it
2: especially going up against like Vita Vea, JTS over there. Shaq when he's healthy, you guys you got some playmakers on your side of the ball as well. Uh just transition from last year to the off season and then into this new season because there's a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement. Uh what's the biggest thing that you said, okay, last season's over with. This offseason, I really want to focus on this. I want to get better at this. You mentioned you can't fix six things at once. So what was that first thing that you had on your checklist to say, let's get better at this thing to improve for next year?
0: Um, well, obviously at new position, so the the change is a little different than what I maybe would have worked on last year. Mm-hmm. But uh just getting down my set lines to start out off with that right tackle, um, not oversetting and just being uh Inside out on on the defender in the pass game. Then from there, we're uh, starting to work more on uh, throwing that outside hand more and being precise with the target and everything. And that's something we'll continue to work on next week in mandatory minicamp.
2: Yeah, and mandatory minicamp new coach new scheme um, that offensive scheme last year it, it was a little dated. it felt like you guys had so many struggles in the running game. there were a lot of plays I know talking to some of your teammates that you guys felt really confident in especially running the ball that just weren't called things that just went didn't go the way there's a lot of um, there wasn't a lot of cohesiveness. I, I like to say I'm not gonna throw anyone under the bus pirate left but there was a lot of things that didn't go the right way how excited are you for this breath of fresh air, Dave Canales coming in, new system that's really going to show you, I think, really show off the the offensive line's athleticism, uh, your ability, because we know you're a hell of a run blocker, like most of the guys on the team, your ability to get out in space, play and run. So this new offensive, how excited are you and how optimistic are you that you guys are going to be able to turn this deadline running on and really be able to pound the rock and, and move people at will?
0: Oh, I'm extremely excited. It's uh, it's like a, a kid on Christmas morning getting an offense like this. So, uh, like you said, yeah, we'll be running the ball a lot more. Me, I'll showcase athleticism, get guys in space, uh, getting guys moving and everything. Uh, it's definitely a breath of fresh air. This, off, this uh, new offense is definitely more offensive line friendly than drop back passing 50 to 60 times a game kind of puts a lot of strain on offensive line when defensive line just has to pin their ears back every game. So yeah, it's uh definitely uh definitely night and day already. And you can yep. see it in uh in uh, different in uh, wide receiver groups, or tight end groups, or running back groups, how how relieved they are that there's
2: a change up in the offensive scheme and everything. A couple new quarterbacks there. Tom Brady's not there. Who you were a big fan of growing up? How is it? How was it to play with him first off? And then Baker's in here. Um, infectious personnel. You, you're familiar with Trask already, especially you know running the scout teams with him at scout team quarterback. What what was it like playing with Tom? And then what are your impressions of the quarterback competition so far this offseason?
0: Yeah, I mean, Tom, playing with Tom was obviously a dream come true of mine, and being able to uh, block for him was an absolute honor. I mean, I have nothing but the utmost respect for the guy. I mean, he is literally the greatest of all time at the game of football. So it was uh, it was definitely a, a remarkable experience just to gain knowledge from him and how poised he was and how uh, he always uh, – he always was so detailed in his work and took ownership if uh, if he made a mistake or something. I thought that really spoke volumes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the new quarterback that with Kyle and Baker, both are great guys. Two of my close friends on the team. Um, I think they're both uh, they're both showing off, showing out so far. I mean, both of them uh, have their thrills. Both of them have their days um poised and everything and it's just gonna grow and get better and better as we go so really looking forward to it
2: yeah definitely you look at the uh, the team this year you can kind of sense the buzz with a, uh, you know obviously Tom Brady's a goat but having two new guys in there uh well not necessarily new but two new guys competing for that starting spot um you know, with the inside this offense that really showcases everyone's ability I think to um, you know, just go out there and make plays whether you're off offensive lineman, wide receiver, running back, tight ends. I, I think when you look at this offense, what it's going to allow you guys to do move the ball. Um, it definitely has a lot of, I know a lot of fans excited and just talking to everybody on the team, a lot of the uh, players on the team excited as well. Um, you know, when you look at the coaching staff, there was a lot of turnover on it. What Run, new running backs, new wide receivers, they kept the tight end coach and they, they kept your offensive line coaches, coach Goody and coach, um, coach Gilbert. Now last year, because you were learning the interior, mostly with coach uh, Goody, but moving back to the outside, now you're both with coach Gilbert, which one of those guys coaches you the hardest, which, which, uh, which one do you, do, you, uh, obviously they both bring a lot of knowledge to the, but. Which one is your? Which one are you lean into if you had to pick a favorite coach there, um, between the two of those guys? Um, I mean, it would.
0: I I couldn't really pick a favorite between the two. I mean, they're both outstanding coaches and great guys, and just what I've learned from them in literally a y- Only a year has been. It's been eye-opening what I've learned about the game of football, and both of them just the energy they bring every day, and working on the small things and always focusing on being detailed in your work. I feel like that's really huge. And just pushing us in general as an offensive line and expecting the the best out of us and nothing less and holding us all accountable, I think that's really huge in everything. So I I wouldn't be able
2: to pick a favorite. They're both great coaches and great guys. Two two different coaching styles a little bit. Gilbert's a little more quieter. He's a little more methodical when he teaches you. And and Goody, he just uh, I can hear him screaming and dropping f bombs all the way across the other side of the field. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I always say I love going over and watching them coach because you can just see the passion, you can see the detail that they put into it, uh, and that you guys take away from it. Um, other than that, I've got just two more questions uh, that I want to wrap the show up in. Uh, okay. Adam, I don't know if you have any other questions for for Luke before we get out of here. Or anything you want to bring up? Um,
1: just, we kind of mentioned it, like heading into next season, there's some aspects of your game that you want to improve on. You always want to get better. Is there something in particular that you've been focusing on? You mentioned like uh, your hand placement and like your sets and stuff like that. Is there anything else? Obviously you don't need to get stronger, but just like formations and things like that, is there anything that you're looking to improve on besides that?
0: Um, I'd say probably getting just overall knowledge of the game and how to read defenses and everything like that. Um, really looking uh, to learn more about that. Just being able to uh, have better pre-snap reads and stuff like that.
2: So one of the things you did when you were coming out of college was uh you sought the advice of some pros already. One of those guys was Joe Staley. Um have you still been working out with him this offseason at all? Have you been contacting him, picking picking his brain for advice as you make the move back out to tackle?
0: Uh yeah, I did actually uh go out uh to California and train with him for about a week and a half and
2: we definitely are still in
0: contact and everything. And uh I'm yeah, I am able to pick his brain whenever uh Whenever I have questions and having that uh that mentor um, is really huge and everything, because obviously is premier left tackle and everything. And so I'm very thankful for him.
2: And, and one of the knocks on, you know, obviously coming out that that people thought same thing with Cody Mock, actually, is that why you guys would need to make the kick into the interior was arm length. Um, I remember reading some interviews and you were talking about guys who have shorter arms. One of those guys uh, plays for the Colts right now. You said you like to study a lot of his film. Um, What and former teammates with the uh, Colts right now too, uh, Renard Raymond. Um, So what, what, what do you say about the – is if it's a misconception or um, about tackles with maybe less than ideal arm length, being able to get the job done in the NFL, even against, you know, some of the best pass rushers? Because now they're lining up on both sides. It used to be the best guy would just line up would be best on left, and now it's best on right, best on left. They switch and rotate all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, these are the only arms I know. I
0: mean <laughs> – I mean, they say like the ideal is like 33 and a half or something. Whatever they say. I think mine were 33 one day, 32 and a half the next. <laughs> you're telling me a half an inch ten inch makes that much of a difference if All I get right. blocked five an extra long finger. <laughs> buy it. There's right. maybe if yeah, maybe if you have thirty-six to thirty-seven inch arms, yeah, absolutely. You you're gonna be at an advantage. But i I don't really believe in that I mean these are my arms. these are what I know. I've blocked people all my life with these
2: arms so <laughs> that's a good answer. that's a great yeah. answer actually uh just kind of wrap it up with obviously uh you got honored this off season uh you got your retired uh jersey retired in uh, in your high school. What did that mean to you? How did that feel?
0: uh yeah, I mean that was huge um just coming from a small town it's not it's not like uh this ha- that something like that happens every day um. Just seeing the community come out and everything, being able to go home and see some of my friends and some of uh, other people around the community, and then after uh, afterwards, sign some autographs or whatever for probably an hour and a half, nice. taking pictures with with uh, families and everything, and just seeing the smiles on kids' faces really uh really spoke volumes to me on uh, the impact I made in the community. I want to continue making the community there.
2: That, that's awesome. Now, yeah. I I did early on in the show. Uh, I noticed your shirt. Um, love the shirt. I actually watched that clip today. It came up. I was scrolling on TikTok and it came up, and it was actually behind the scenes of how it came out. I love watching that stuff. Um, uh-huh. But such an impactful moment in the world of wrestling. I got to take it. You're a wrestling fan. Uh yeah, a little bit. I'm a big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. All right,
0: definitely yeah. have four different. Four different ones of his shirts. Ah, he's definitely
2: the, the best. He's not my yeah. number one.
0: Oh yeah, he's he's definitely my favorite by by far. I'll watch. I'll put on sometimes his best like clips and stuff like that.
2: So he was he was great. We asked Cody last week what his uh, Mount Rushmore of wrestlers were. Uh, do you have a quick Mount Rushmore wrestlers?
0: Um, I'd probably say uh, Stone Cold, The Undertaker um maybe ray mysterio oh oh and then santino Morales, just because he
2: does the cobra or whatever (laughs) yeah that was great that (laughs) was was hilarious yeah um anyway i want i want to thank you for your time um it was Uh, awesome to have you on i know we kept you over a little bit but uh, such great insightful information from you. We're really, uh, everyone's really pulling for you this year, um, uh, to, to solidify that right tackle spot and and just man it for years. Um, so we want to thank you again for coming on on behalf of the fans, on behalf of Peter Report. Um, thank you for your time, and, and we'll see you out there at Mandatory Minicam next week. Absolutely, I'll see you guys out there. Take care. Thanks, sir. Thank you. All right, bye. There you guys have it. Luke, the lifter, gave us a solid 40 minutes, uh, kept him over a little bit, but great information. I really Best think, um, you know, last year helped him tremendously. Uh, really, you know, there was those struggles. Again, we talked about it going up against those murderers row, defensive tackles, but being able to to find himself, ground himself, and then when he did get that opportunity later in the season, at, at a right tackle on both at left guard and the playoff game, as we mentioned, graded out, you know, two highest graded games that he had. Uh, and moving back to his original position, arm, arm, arm length isn't everything. <laughs> yeah. And he's got the arm strength. We know that as one of the strongest guys on the team, but yeah, I thought that was a, a great interview. Got a lot of insight into what makes him tick. Um, yeah. It was good. Good talking to him.
1: Yeah, for sure. And compared to like all the other Bucks rookies last year, I don't think there was a guy who had as many obstacles to success as Luke Gedecky, but by the end of the season, he still had solid games against the Falcons and the Cowboys, but just moving from right tackle to left guard, it isn't easy. And that's something that he alluded to. And just being able to speak on that and getting back to his natural position. Obviously, everyone's rooting for him. He has a guy like Tristan Wirfs on his side. And that means more than we'll ever know. And just seeing how he handles himself day to day, being an all-pro, pro bowl tackle. So just okay. great stuff from Gedicke and just more in- insight into the other side that fans usually don't see on the field.
2: All right, and that's what we do here, at Peter Report. We bring you the insight from players, not just the press conferences, which can be all you know, um, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the i's, being careful with what you say. Uh, We're bringing the real stuff. We're going to take a quick second uh, to thank our sponsors here at Celsius. We'll be right back. Computer Report podcast. We just had on Luke the lifter, Luke Gedecky, Buck's right tackle uh, on here. But welcome to the podcast sponsored by Celsius Energy Drink, Celsius Live Fit, giving those essential vitamins and that sugar-free energy with no crash. Celsius, uh, they've got all sorts of different flavors. Each one of them are amazing. You've got the vibes up there, tropical vibe, arctic vibe, peach vibe, the OGs. They have the new vibes out with Oasis Vibe, Fantasy Vibe, Sparkling Lemon Lime. Uh, You can get Celsius everywhere now. I mean, you just walk into a a gas station, grocery store, health and fitness store. Uh, Even gyms will have them. Uh, You can also always find them at your local bodega. Um, And you can get them on Amazon as well. Once you try the flavors you want, uh, the best way to do it is to get them delivered to your doorstep every week, every month, uh, as, as often as you drink them. With the subscribe and save option uh, on Amazon get them delivered right to your doorstep don't even have to go out to get them uh, to purchase Celsius you can go on uh, pewterreport.com click one of the Celsius banners to find them in a store near you go to Celsius store locator and you can find them everywhere but pretty much at this point Celsius. Is a number one pick for Peter Report. It's a number one pick for energy drink. And if you're not drinking Celsius by now, you're missing out because it is the best energy drink on the market. Um, that, again, that was an awesome interview uh, with Luke. I really think this offense is going to tremendously help this offensive line, this new system. They're going from that power downhill scheme to that wide zone spread. It's going to allow these guys to get out in space. Uh, If you look at the the draft picks and the players on this team, maybe outside Jensen, who's a little older in the tooth, uh, they're guys who have good athleticism, can get out, climb to the second level. Uh, They'll be able to utilize them on polls. They'll be effective in the screen game if they should run those, hopefully not as frequent as last year. Uh, But I really think that this offense is going to uh, just help most of these offensive players thrive. I mean, it's an offense that you look around the league and it's, it's a copycat offense. It's everywhere. you know. Uh, it, it sets up the receivers uh, to gain more yards after the catch. Um, it allows the blocks to set up and give the backs that vision to find the hole, punch the hole, hit the hole, and go for the home run play. Um, gain those yards. And, and it just makes everything – easier because everyone's moving laterally on the line and it allows you to use your vision and patience to see and set up those blocks. So uh, I have high hopes for for Luke Gedecky and everybody else on this line. I think that, you know, with the coaching they have, they, they didn't get rid of Gilbert and they didn't get rid of uh, Coach Goody for a reason. Uh, these are two good offensive line coaches in the league, and I don't think that the offensive line playing the running game was indicative of their coaching, more so in to – um, poor play calling and over reliance on a slow, slowed down Leonard Fournette. Um, so I'm excited to see what this offense can do and been talking to him and, and seeing what he's been working on and what, what he's been um, really kind of um, trying to hone in on. I think they're going to, I think they're going to, to really surprise a lot of people. I know uh, right now, they're in the bottom rankings of a lot of national pundits, but we already stripped those out. If you go check out one of our latest uh um, columns over at Peter Report.
1: You make some great points. And I think Tristan Wirf said it best this week when he mentioned that the offense under Dave Canales, it's very player friendly. And speaking to that offensive line friendly. And you have a very young offensive line. And besides Ryan Jensen, as you mentioned, you have Tristan Werfs at left tackle, only 24 still. And then you have yeah. Cody Malk and Luke Gedicke on the right side. So really athletic agile offensive lineman you've seen the clips of cody Malk at north dakota state getting to the next level <laughs> playing pass to the echo of the whistle and setting guys down so it's going to be a more fun offense to watch and just in general the offense has gotten younger and faster and replacing a slower leonard fournette with rashad white rashad white he's a sleeper running back this year yeah. and you can definitely see that he has what it takes to become a breakout running back and put together a solid year. And you pair that with creative play calling from Dave Canales. You saw it in Seattle for years where they've had a successful running game Mm -hmm. with some kind of later round draft picks and Thomas Rawls and Chris Carson. So having a talent like Rashad White's going to help tremendously. And then you have the best wide receiver duo in football and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So just a lot of weapons to play with. We spoke to Gedeki, and he's he's going to be one part of it. But as a whole, the offense looks to be in better position, to average more than eighteen point four points a game.
2: Yeah, yeah, you, you hope so. I mean, obviously, it comes down to Baker and it comes down to to Trask. Whoever wins that battle out, uh, you know, being able to efficiently move the ball down the field, be that point guard of such, and be able to distribute. Uh, without turning the ball over. But I think when you look at it, you know, Rashad White had him on last week. You can tell he's hungry. The drive is there. They brought in Chase Edmonds, who, while he had a down year last year between Miami and Denver, was really a good receiver out of the backfield and a good solid runner for the Cardinals the year prior. Um, You know, you look at Sean Tucker. I know a lot of people are excited about him and what he did at his time in Syracuse, dealing with that heart injury right now, uh, waiting to get medically cleared um, so he can get on the field, see what he can do. Got Keyshawn Vaughn still there, who ha- has shown that he's got home run hitting ability, albeit on one play. Uh, never really got enough uh, of an opportunity. I'm not saying that he's going to be somehow turn around and be this great running back. But, you know, he's shown potential um, and, and to get, you know, one of the biggest reasons he hasn't seen the field. Um, is because you had Rashad White, you had Gio, and his pass blocking hasn't been up to snuff. So if he can get his pass blocking together, maybe he sees the field a little bit more. And my guy, sleeper, Ronnie Brown. Yeah. I mean, Ronnie Brown That's had awkward. over 4,000 yards the last over his last two seasons. He can do it out of the backfield. He can do it as a receiver. If you read the notes from minicamp the other day, two 30-plus-yard touchdowns down the field, catching the ball 30 yards, not running the ball 30 yards. And I, I think he's, uh, he's another guy who you can't discount out of this mix of, of running backs. Um, looks Has looked really solid, and, and he brings that versatility—a guy who can play his teams, who can return, who can who can catch, who can run. I think he so. had
1: the image he compared to like Christian McCaffrey really well <laughs> in his measurables. Yeah,
2: in his measurables, I'm not gonna yeah. go that far, but you know, just talking to him too—he's hungry. He's he's coming in here, and he's got that. Rashad White mentality. You know, Rashad White was a third round pick. Ronnie Brown is coming for Rashad White's job. <laughs> he's not coming in to accept as an undrafted free agent from a teeth pool that he's going to just make the practice squad or make the number four job. You know, he he wants to he wants to start. So you know, when you look at look at those guys um in the running back room, I I I think they have a good group. However, however, the ghost of OJ Howard's past is about to be released. And while I don't think it's a realistic option for the Bucs, specifically because they don't have any money, I know they just signed their, their, you know, latter half of the draft, uh, their five picks. But those guys, their numbers are going to replace the top, you know, the top 51, rule 51. in the offseason is, you know, only the top 51 contracts count. So they'll offset some other guys and they won't really count too much against that cap space. Which is, I think the Bucks only have like 400,000 unless they did some magic work to open up more space. But uh, like I said, I don't think they'll be able to afford them. But I think we got to at least mention Dalvin Cook um, as a outside of the box potential possibility if the bucks want to get really froggy i think he'd be a perfect fit for this offense obviously he had some health issues bucks fans wish they drafted him the fsu kid uh over oj howard so many years ago but what what's your take on dalvin Cook's scenario is he should we just already put him in a dolphins jersey or the bucks have any outside shot at maybe getting him
1: With, with the dolphins uh their coach, Mike McDaniel, always won for a great quote. I saw he, that. He didn't really mention Delvin Cook being an option and <laughs> kind of having Raheem Mostert and some of those guys there. It's a likely destination, but I will say that Delvin Cook at age 27, there's a lot more upside there than Ezekiel Elliott, who okay. still sits on the market and was rumored to be a Bucs fit with running backs coach Skip Pete. Hmm. If the Bucs could get Dalvin Cook, it would – It would be more riches for the offense, but they seem very comfortable.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: I know the Pewter Report YouTube channel just posted a video uh, from James Hill kind of talking about it. And it's a it's a great fit on paper, as you mentioned, with like the zone running scheme, right. getting him out in space, 1,000-yard seasons. He's been a really efficient rusher, but also there's injury history. And mm-hmm. I believe there was an ACL tear. And with running backs, there's such a short lifespan. It's interesting to wonder – why the Vikings decided to release him? Was it just for money, or do they know something behind the scenes? And they seem very comfortable with Alexander uh, Madison as well.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen by any means. The Bucks fans, I'm not saying to look out for a Dalvin Cook signing, but he's going to get paid two million, a little over two million dollars from the Vikings this season as them part of them releasing him. Um, and I know the Bucks have no cap space, and need to you know sign their their rookies and have. The money we've already talked about this. They need to sign the rest of their rookies. They need to uh, be able to afford practice squad to be able to. Um, afford any in-season emergencies or anything like that. But you can find ways to open money if they really wanted to. I mean, the Saints are in perpetual cap hell every year. Right now they have $14 million in cap space somehow, while the, while the Bucks are just sitting at the bottom of the league with $401,000, which they most likely just dipped into to sign the bottom half of their draft class. So, I mean, they, they can definitely make space um, if they wanted to bring him in. Obviously, he's not too far away. Um, you know, playing his college ball in, in Tallahassee, up at FSU. Uh, if he wanted to come down here, maybe he feels miffed that the Bucks, you know, didn't draft him and took O.J. Howard instead. But if he's willing to come on a cheap deal, I don't think he's going to get break the bank money. The most I feel like someone might pay him is five million dollars this year, and the Bucks can easily afford something like that and, and spread that cap hit out with Vordiers, et cetera. But, but. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. No. However, the Bucks do have an open roster spot now after they released Jake Verity the other day. Uh, so there is an open roster spot. And, you know, just want to get your thoughts on what position you think that they could use to fill that roster spot. Could, could it be Could it be another running back to add to that group? Maybe a veteran tight end because they don't have one of those on there. Nickel is still a big question mark. Christian Izian uh, has been getting looks in there in mini camps. Uh, they also have Josh Hayes, who they draft in the sixth round. Um Dee Delaney's played there in a pinch as well, but you know that's a position safety where they have two undrafted guys and Nolan Turner, a second-year player. Or, or do they just bring in another kicker to keep try to keep Chase McLaughlin's leg fresh and really not crown him the starting kicker after him coming in and getting a very minimal contract in, in free agency? What do you what do you think the best spot for that final roster spot is going to be? Me?
1: With mentioning the running backs before. There seems to be more promise with undrafted guys like you you like Ronnie Brown and Sean Tucker. So maybe not running back, and that kind of puts aside Dalvin Cook. But you also brought up two positions that there's a lot of young talent, but there could be a veteran. Like getting a veteran would bring so much more to the group, and that would be tight end and safety. At the tight end room, you have Kate Otten, the Bucks drafted, Payne Durham. But there isn't that Cam rate or Kyle Rudolph that you saw on the team last year. And although they didn't produce maybe up to the level the team expected, having a veteran presence is huge And in the locker room. And Cam rate was one of the best locker room guys. So definitely could see tight end being a position in need. And also you have safety. So you brought up Chris Isian, uh, Kayvon Merriweather, and Nolan Turner. Between the three of them, one career NFL tackle. And that's from Nolan Turner, the Bucks like both the undrafted guys, but getting a veteran safety, maybe bringing back Logan Ryan when training camp rolls around. I still see that being an option on the veteran minimum. He played on that last year, comfortable in Todd Bowles defense and kind of a coach on the field. Don't think it'll be him right now, but I would say probably either of those rooms. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I think I think Nickel right now is, is a spot where they're going to be starting a young player, whether that's a third year guy in D Delaney or a rookie in Christian Izian or Joshua Hayes. Um, I, I think when you look at that position right now, I think I feel I feel better at tight end. Um, even with Kate Otten, you know, in the second season, is never gonna be a top tier guy, you know. He's gonna be a better blocker than Cam Brate, similar receiver. Um, And Payne Durham, you know, we have yet to see what he can do in pads, obviously a big red zone threat. But I think nickel right now you look at this team and that's the one spot you're like, whoa, like they, one of these young guys don't pan out. They have nobody there. And that means most likely making a shift of Antoine Winfield, Back there, or moving Ryan Neal there, maybe maybe that's the contingency plan because Ryan Neal has played there too. He's going to start at strong safety, but I think you got Kayvon Merriweather, who they're high on and who has been making plays in almost every OTA we've been at. Yeah, um, who can who's more that strong safety type role? So maybe you know they have some. Con- I'm sure they have some contingency plans. Maybe Logan Ryan's one of them. You look out in the free agent market. You've got guys like Troy Hill, who was with the Rams, and Bryce Callahan, who is with the uh, San Diego or. Sorry, Los Angeles Chargers the last couple of years. uh, years, Both of those guys are more known as nickel cornerbacks. So maybe they look into one of those guys. There's also the dude, I forget his name right now off the top of my head, that was released by Pittsburgh um, who can play that nickel too, play it pretty well. So there's some contingency plans in free agency, including Logan Ryan or some more of those those. Um, you know nickel safeties that they could look at the fact that they didn't take one in the draft at all was kind of surprising uh, especially when they're linked to so many of them like Quan martin Sidney brown brian branch the list goes on so you know they have to that's that's the one spot that i think they need to solidify on this roster i, I think i've seen enough from chase mclaughlin throughout his career especially last year obviously that was in a dome we have to see as todd bowl said what he looks like in the wind but You know, I I think you're good there. I don't really see the need to – unless you just want to keep his leg fresh. But you got jugs machines for that too. You know, they're really going out there and kicking, you know, maybe 10 to 20 field goals a practice, if that you know, when they're doing situational work. So I don't think you're going to wear out his leg too much, to be honest. Um, I'm sure they might bring someone in. They do have two long snappers, and what do you need two long snappers for? So maybe one of those guys gets cut. I, I doubt it's going to be Trina with his experience with ever and and um, and his, you know, uh, connection with a guy like uh, Chick Camarda. So I don't think that that's going to be a situation. One thing I want to get in here real quick before we end the show, and I, I think it's highly unlikely, but there have – been rumors out there and of course they're media filled rumors there's nothing coming from one buck place at all that we know from advent health training center um but devin white has missed all of otas um and alongside of him was levante david who's missed all of otas he's a veteran he doesn't need to be there but kj britt surprisingly has missed a lot of OTAs, at least to the public um, or to the to the press and the media when we, we've we been there. We haven't seen him um, out there, which has stepped up and given Servassi Dennis a brilliant opportunity to showcase what he can do. Uh, he's been getting the system down early. He's been very vocal out there. He's been making plays out there, most yeah. importantly. Is there a realm of possibility, especially let's say Devin White doesn't show up for mandatory minicamp, um, that – you know, Bowles says, "Well, you're not just going to go out there in training camp. You know, you got to get in football shape." Savasie Dennis starts to line up next to Levante David, and they just look like a match made in heaven. Do you think that there's any way that Devin White gets traded? Savasie maybe starts even as soon as this year. I mean, it's it's throwing it out there. It's all speculative, but do you, do you think that that's a world of possibility we might live in? I think it is, and. Oh. It's, it's going to
1: be interesting next week what happens at mandatory minicamp because Todd Bowles, he made a statement. He, he said he expects every player to be out there next week. And you understand with Levante David being a grizzly vet, him not being out there, getting rest and all that. But Devin White, this is his prove-it year. This is yeah. when he he wants to get on the market and get that $100 million deal. So if he hasn't out there next week, it creates a dilemma for the Bucs. And do they want to continue playing this game? Is he going to hold out with training camp looming in just a couple months? So if he's not out there next week, Servasio Dennis, he's really been impressive, making that uh, one-handed interception yeah. not too long ago. And you don't want to put too much like hope in a fifth-round pick, but Servasio Dennis, he's been a really impressive player so far. And it will be interesting to see – if Devin white is there next week, because that that's a
2: wild card there. Yeah. The, the balls in Devin's court, he needs to show up and he needs to put up the stats and he needs to put up uh, just a solid, consistent year. And it starts, you know, an off season work, but guys, I think this was one of the best Peter report podcasts we ever did. We had Luke, the lifter on for the first 40 minutes, just chatted up a little bit about this bucks, offense, bucks defense and potential signings and stuff like that. They could do with that open roster spot. But I want to thank you guys all for being here. Obviously, follow all of our coverage here. We got the best coverage in all of Tampa Bay. I sincerely mean that when you look at the hard work everyone puts in, uh, you know, you look at the additions we've made with, with, with Sly and with Josh and um, with, with James Hill and, and Bailey and myself going past uh, Scott knows how to assemble superheroes. And I think, you know, this team is, is definitely uh, an amazing team to be a part of. So I want to thank all you guys for that. Thank all the listeners. Thanks to all the viewers. Follow us. If you're not already, I'm sure most of you are on Twitter at Peter report. Our Instagram is popping on, on Peter report over there facebook go check out facebook we've got a really cool thing that we're going to start to do every friday caption fridays over there we've got some quizzes going on on instagram you uh youtube at Peter report tv if you're watching on facebook or if you're watching on on twitter find your way over here this is the spot to be at guys go ahead and give us a thumbs up hit that like button hit that subscribe button we want to thank all of you guys for being a part of this uh this podcast as always uh, with that being said, last podcast of the week, so we won't see you until Monday. We'll have recap of Mandatory Minicamp all next week. It's going to be a great time. So for Sly, for Luke earlier, for myself, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. Peace. Out. Out.